0: 167 days in space over 38 hours performing spacewalks traveling more than six million miles making hundreds of orbits about the earth but how did I get there this is the making of an ordinary spaceman I'm Clayton C. Anderson and these are my stories took our break uh we were talking about columbia and the aftermath for us as a couple and as a family so uh what i remember um from that day being a family escort at the cape uh when we had loaded all the families from the shuttle landing facility back into our suburbans uh and we had Prepped to drive back to crew quarters. Uh, I had Lonnie McCool. I had Doug Anderson, Dave's brother. Uh, Lonnie was Willie's Noah wife. Brown. Or Doug Brown. What, what did I say? Anderson. Oh, sorry.
1: It's okay, um, there was an Anderson family on board.
0: That, that's true. <laughs> and then I had uh, JP. Um, that was Casey Chavez's husband. Mm-hmm. And so as we pulled all these people together to get them into our suburban, not knowing what really what was going on. The first thing I did was reach to the radio and turn it off. And I don't know why I did that. It was a gut feel, but I, I guess I figured that anything on the radio would be ahead of what we were going to hear. And so thinking that it was not good, I didn't want the radio to be on for the families. Sure, And, Doug Brown, I remember before the car started, right, we had to wait for the FBI guys to get in their car. We had to wait for everybody to fire up, so we had our big caravan. And Doug kept saying, you know, Dave told me about this. Dave said, something bad could go wrong. Uh, you know, it's, it could be a tragedy. And I'm thinking, hey, Doug, stop. And I told him, be quiet. We don't know anything, and we won't know anything for a while. So just let's keep each other within our own thoughts for a while. Until we get back and learn more.
1: And that had to have been hard for the families because, you know, um, Doug was alone, single, right. adult, and you had children in the car as well.
0: Uh, I didn't have any children with just, me at just that time. Just adult family members. Yeah, they had they had broken it up uh, pretty big. So I just had Doug, JP, and, and uh, Lonnie. Lonnie. Okay. Yeah. And Doug was very talkative. Doug was, right, his, his emotional reaction to the whole thing uh, and I think they all knew, but his right. his emotional reaction was to chatter. Uh, whereas Lonnie and j p their emotional reaction was to turn inside
1: well and, and they're both a little more introverted people as it is. Absolutely. Lonnie, having been a military spouse, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me had had probably a lot more on her mind of what was happening and what was about to happen. and j p may not have been prepared as a civilian. Um, as yeah. to what to expect, I can't even imagine what they were going through.
0: And that's one of the hardest parts of being family escort because you don't know. It's hard to know that much or that d- the depth of those family relationships and those right. things. So I was learning them on the fly. So we drive back. We're at crew quarters. The families are seated in that big room you might remember from when you visited. That has that huge table. Uh, it's got memorabilia on top the, of the, the meeting table. room, and yeah. weren't there
1: some like um, simulators yes. and so forth on the walls yeah, you and can so fly,
0: forth? You can fly the shuttle, and you can fly the robotic arm. Sure, that's practice. where everybody had their
1: meetings and so forth. Yeah, yeah. so they're
0: all—all all those families are sitting around with you know the spouses and the kids, all around that table, and they don't have anything to do, right? The kids are freaking out. The young kids, they're—they're they're kids. And so we had some people, the, the staff at crew quarters was trying to get the kids to the TV and the video game, but we didn't have much of that available. Um, the adults were quietly talking, trying to figure out what the heck was going on. So me and my role as escort, I decided I needed to know more information. So I walked all the way down the hall to where Jerry Ross, the astronaut who runs... Crew quarters, or ran crew quarters at the time, was talking to Bob Cabana, who was the other astronaut, who was the head of all astronaut things at JSC at the time. And as I walked in there, I heard Cabana say, "There's is no hope. We have to tell them there is no hope." And that's when (laughs) that's when my gut, you know, I felt like I was going to vomit, and. I didn't say anything to him. I just stood there for a second. And then Jerry said, we, gotta, we need to go tell him now. And so I went. They said, Clay, get everybody in the conference room. And so I made sure everybody was there. And Cabana came down. And he's a Marine. And in perfect Marine, what I would imagine is Marine behavior, he stood with his feet together, his arms straight at his side. And uh, he said, um, there's no hope. Oh, my word. And when I heard that, the next thing that came were the screams from the kids and the crying and the sobbing. And uh, I'm just standing there going, oh, man, what, what, (laughs) what am I involved in? And I didn't really know what to do. They can make you a family escort. They can put a document in front of you and say, read this. It tells you everything. It doesn't. So... The first thing I did was I quietly exited the room, and the doors were open, and I hid behind the door, and I called you just to say, I'm okay, Mm -hmm. um, but I won't be able to talk to you for a while. Yeah, and
1: and we knew that. I mean, just already by watching television, you knew things were going to be bad, so I expected that call.
0: Well, and then I hung up with you, and then I called mom, and I told mom the same thing, that I'm okay, but... Susan, you know, talk to Susan, Mm -hmm. make sure you, you know, keep abreast of what's going on because I I can't talk for a while. And then was the hardest part, I think, for me of the whole deal was when the kids came out of the room to go supposedly down and play video games, Matthew's husband, who was uh, I think... Seven... Six or seven, Cole's age at the time. He was a little bit older than Cole,
1: but yeah, about seven or so.
0: He was grabbing his mom's leg, and he, he says, Mom, I want to go back to this hotel. I want to swim in the pool. I want to swim in the pool. That was his way uh, to cope. And, and what we had done in the astronaut <laughs> emergency plan was we had separated all of the extended family, the grandmas, the grandpas, the aunts and uncles, the brothers. We put all those people in another building right, about a half a mile away, and they're all sitting there. I'm imagining they're sitting there freaking out. And they can't do anything. They can't help anyone. Right. And here are these little kids who need that support, right? They need grandpa to take them back to the pool and swim for a while so that, that the mom doesn't have to deal with that piece of it, right? And, and then uh, Laura, husband, she's about, what, I don't know, 10?
1: Yeah, she probably was.
0: 10 or 11. And she says, Mom, who's going to walk me down the aisle? That was her first married? thought. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hearing this. And, you know, and they're a very faith, they're a full faith-based family, right? Absolutely,
1: so, even to this day.
0: And Laura was like, a, uh, her mom was a rock, Evelyn was a rock. And then uh, I went into a hallway that leads to the medical room where astronauts get physicals and stuff there. And on the wall of the hallway are all pictures of crews, right? The the various missions of the shuttle over yeah. the years.
1: Those are still there. And, yeah. of course,
0: the one that's the most prominent is the crew that's launching or was supposed to launch and come home sts 107 and little ian clark who was about cole's age as well six Mm -hmm. or seven he's at the wall leaning on a cabinet and he's looking up at the picture of his mom yeah (laughs) and he's saying mom i asked you not to go why did you go (laughs) (laughs) and i squatted down And I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, hey, (sighs) there are some things in life that happen that we simply can't understand. I said, and, you know, I'm playing all this off the cuff, right? Right. And I said, you know, when I was a kid, I never understood how that. Santa Claus, that big fat guy, could get down a chimney and and put all those presents around a tree and then go up through the chimney to go to the next house. I said, I never understood that. And and maybe this is one of those times where we don't understand what's going on. And he didn't say anything. He didn't didn't even look at me, right? His gaze stayed right at his mom. And uh, about that time, I was told we had to go around to crew quarters, is a bunch of apartment little little hotel rooms, basically, and we had to go around to all the rooms and begin to gather
1: everyone's the, the crew
0: stuff, right? Yeah. Because they pack for an emergency, they pack. If we if we had to land in Africa, they pack an Africa bag. If they were going to potentially land in California, they pack a California bag. They pack a Florida bag in case they return back to the launch site, right? They pack an end of mission bag all that sort of stuff. And they all have their labels on it. And I started to go into the rooms of my families. And of course, you know, Lonnie McCool's in there looking at Willie's stuff. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when you have to tell a spouse that, hey, I need that. I I need to take that because we have to load it on the plane. And that was the next part. We loaded everybody up on NASA's jets. They had two uh, business jets that we are going to fly back to Houston then.
1: And that would have been with everyone anyway. I mean, th- right. those jets are always waiting right. when a crew lands.
0: And they were at the skid strip facility, which is nearby to the Cape. And we loaded everything in the vans, and we drove everybody over, and we loaded up those planes, and it was very quiet. Everything was so quiet, no one talking about anything. And uh, then we flew home, and that plane ride was the quietest, longest Uh, plane ride I'd ever been on you know. I can't imagine the pain. Well there yeah you could sense it (laughs) just by looking at the people you know and and the hugs you know little Ian and his dad John with his arm around him. Um, At least the husbands had each other. Um, It it was just. I
1: can't imagine the loneliness though even though all of them were going through it at the same time.
0: (laughs) It was wicked bad and and then we land in, in Houston at Ellington. There's a huge crowd there. Um, our first job was to get off the plane and transport their gear to their the, the vehicles that were taking them back to their homes. And we wanted to do that as quickly as possible because we wanted to get them away from the press. We wanted to get them home in a place that was comfortable or more comfortable to them where they could then be back with their extended family and deal start to deal with this. And I remember Randy Stone was there, and at the time he he was my former boss,
1: right. And it was, he was deputy director of the center at the time.
0: Yep. And he was waiting, and he saw me coming, and he looked at me, and he put his hand out.
1: And then he grabbed you. Yeah. Yeah. Randy too, a very faithful person, uh, who we lost all too soon. Um, but he also had a big hand in you becoming an astronaut.
0: They sure did. Yeah. So now I have to deal with my family, and I find out we're going to have an all-hands meeting. All the astronauts have to show back up at NASA to talk about this.
1: And this is, what, late afternoon on sa- that Saturday, on on February Saturday. 1st?
0: Yep. So we go do that, and, of course, we're told by the bosses, you know, don't say anything. You know, you're not smart enough, Mr. Astronaut, to be able to converse with the press, and which really pissed me off because... I needed to talk to someone, yep. and I'm smart enough to know that, you know, because there were rumors that with the Israeli astronaut on board that it was terrorist activity. Well, know, that,
1: that came out right away, all as I that recall. that kind of stuff. In fact, I, that was one of the first things that probably I thought about because the neighbors came over, mm-hmm. rang the doorbell, and said, what can we do? Um, because everybody in the nation was watching, yeah. you know, If or by 10 o'clock in the morning, everybody knew what had happened and was watching it. And and the neighbors came and, and said, what do you think it is? Do you think it was terrorist attack? Right. Um, and, you know, what can we do to help you? And my big thing was keep the press away because the press was going to start looking for spouses um, for astronauts. Any, for anyone to, any to, to, to talk, speak. Yeah. yeah. And and how do you even deal with a response. And so um, fortunately for me, we were, you know, we had a couple of phone calls and other than that, we didn't have anyone show up at the house that I'm aware of unless the neighbors scared them away or whatever. I don't don't
0: remember, but I I do know that, you know, I wanted to be trusted to say the right thing, that, that I wouldn't speculate on something I didn't know about. So When the meeting's finally over, I hop in my car and I drove home and I get stopped by the police
1: in Clear Lake Shores. I forgot about that.
0: Because I was speeding. (laughs) And (laughs) I pull over, I'm in my big red pickup truck and I roll down the window and the guy says, do you have ID? And I give him my ID and he says, you're speeding. And I said, look, I'm an astronaut and I just... We just talk, met talked about the Columbia that happened today. And he goes, well, do you have proof that you're an astronaut? And, of course, back then. Are you in
1: your blue suit at this time? <laughs> no. Oh, you'd already changed.
0: <laughs> but we had no, you know, astronauts have no astronaut ID that says the word astronaut on it. So I showed him my NASA badge, and he backed off, and he let me off with a warning. And then I came home. And that's when, you know, I walked in the back door, and I saw you standing there, and Cole was wrapped around your leg. Mm -hmm. and um, what I recall is that he he looked at me, and he he said, Daddy, did they die? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, Cole, they died. And he said, did they have children? And I said, yes, a lot of them had children. And he said, did I know those children? And I said, yes, you knew some of them. And he looked at me, and he just, and he walked away.
1: Isn't that funny? Because he'd he'd asked me those questions earlier in the morning, and he wanted confirmation Yeah, what he'd been hearing all day was was true, and the only way he had a a confirmation on that was to hear it directly from you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I know that night when we went to bed that, you know, I said, I need to be in church tomorrow. Uh, I just needed that. And when we went to church, we went to Sunday school first, and of course, everybody in the church knew, and I was sitting there and I wasn't doing too well. Right. Uh, And the support that I got, we got, from our church friends was amazing. And they said that they were glad that I was there. Because they couldn't think of anyone
1: that could... could be there and hold their hand and it, God puts you in that place at that time as yeah. painful as it was for you um yep. God had you there uh, to hold their hands
0: and they the pastor Woody Berry was he changed his whole sermon <laughs> and he talked about what happened mm-hmm. and how to help us deal with it and I remember we were sitting kind of back to the middle and and he said he said something and i just lost it and i just started to sob and part of me was embarrassed <laughs> and part of me was you know
1: you know though that's that's why Rick husband um and the rest of the crew chose you was god stepped in and and said this is the right person for your family not that god knew what was happening necessarily although I think he does, um, he knew you were the right person for that crew.
0: But that's what's funny. I never knew why they picked me. So, you know, they never said, hey, we want you because they just said, we want you. Um, But I know that there were reporters at church that day. Oh, yes. And they were creeping around trying to find somebody. And then, of course, they figured out who I was. Yes. And, uh, you know, they asked me some questions, and they were pretty I gave them pretty basic answers and you know we can't talk about can't speculate about what happened and
1: um, yeah, that was a difficult time too
0: yeah then it then it just became us coping with the situation and yep and then, as part of the astronaut corps, I was a CAICO, a crew assistance casualty officer, which is a mil another military term, and I was asked to help with Doug Brown's mom and dad but they were going to return to Virginia so that responsibility got transferred to Leland Melvin who was working at headquarters and living in Virginia so and I always felt and I don't I know this is probably wrong but I've always felt that I didn't do enough that
1: you wanted to be able to provide more assistance you wanted to be more included in all the things happening post-event.
0: And I felt like I, I didn't do that, but... Yeah. You know, that's something I've had to live with ever since.
1: Yeah. It's it's tough when you want to be involved, in, and in some cases, the best thing is for you not to be involved, and in some cases, it's the right thing, and you didn't get to choose. So no. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's see what we can do to um, spin this a little bit and... <laughs> Change the tone, a bit. yeah. I think I think your folks would enjoy hearing some fun stuff for a while.
0: Well, I, uh, you know, after all this happened, the, everything stopped for a while, and no. so I wasn't going to be traveling to Russia for a, a period of time.
1: Well, and you weren't really traveling at that time either, not, right? M- not
0: much. You, I, I you, think we were prepping to. I, I did. We did Nemo.
1: You did Nemo. You hadn't gone to Russia yet because Russia came a year later. It came. You. you Went the first time in January, the following year.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that was good because now I was assigned. Now I was uh, focused. They had figured out uh, what had happened with Columbia. Uh, we were on the road to relaunching again.
1: Right, and you got finally got an assignment.
0: And I had an assignment, and I was traveling back and forth to Star City, about forty-five miles or forty-five minutes northeast of Moscow. Um, I don't remember much about <laughs> preparation. I know that we. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we might have talked about that previously, where you started storing stuff around the bedroom yeah. <laughs> and worrying about what food you were going to be able to eat and thinking you were going to starve to death while you were in in yep. Moscow and yep. Star City because you taking didn't know. What toilet accent. paper,
0: <laughs> always taking toilet paper, because I'd heard the stories that the only thing NASA documents were good for in Russia was to go in the box right by the crapper. <laughs> And that if you're going to use one of those NASA NASA document pages, you had to crumple it up about a thousand times make to make it, it, it as soft as possible. <laughs> I never did that. I never had to do that because I always had took tissue toilet paper with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But didn't yeah. we we went to we bought winter clothes?
1: Oh yeah, we went. For, well, you were, d- did didn't we you make it a-
0: Reno? And we went to Reno for some. Yeah, can, and we conference. went to an REI
1: store and because um, <laughs> we had a
0: friend that worked at REI and we were going to get a discount from REI and so we. St- Spent a couple of hours in the REI store. Is that Bryn's mom? Yeah.
1: Bryn Sutton. Yep, her yeah. mom. Yeah, yeah.
0: And <laughs> trying to figure out what I would need because I lived in Houston, so I hadn't worn winter clothing since I left Nebraska or, right. o- or Iowa State. And now I had to buy all this new stuff um, so I wouldn't freeze my booty off. in star city and And of
1: course you were going to be going in january which was like the coldest month of the year
0: and i'm so glad that we had that rei gear to go because i remember i had landed in moscow the the russian guy picks you up in a van and he doesn't speak any english and my russian wasn't that great yet and and we drove out to star city and the first thing i saw as we go deeper into the uh suburbia i guess and it's it's a way different suburbia right it's like you're going out and back in time. Right. And as we cross this intersection, the, the driver of the van, he starts cussing and rushing and there's, he's, he stops and there's a dead body laying in the middle of the road.
1: Are you kidding? No.
0: Cause there's a cop <laughs> standing by the dead and the
1: <laughs> kids.
0: And he, I have no idea what happened. And we just, we stop for a second and I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into? And he pulls out and he drives around this dead body and we go to star city <laughs>
1: It's oh freezing goodness. freaking
0: cold. There's snow everywhere. It seemed like it was eight feet high.
1: And you hadn't stopped for food or anything, had you?
0: I don't, I don't remember. Because the shopping there,
1: you need to, you'll have to talk about that in a minute.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I ended up at my cottage at night, and it was Sunday because the next morning was going to be my first day of training at Star City. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to bed. And of course, I'm jet lagged, and I took a sleeping pill, and and I'm sleeping like a rock when I hear this on my door, and it's Jeff Williams, my cottage mate, and he's waking me up,
1: I'm saying it's time to go. <laughs> it's time gotta
0: to go. go, and it's it's freaking dark outside. Yeah,
1: it's dark there a lot.
0: I know, <laughs> and you know, I wake up and I'm I'm groggy, and I don't know what I'm doing. He says, "Get ready, we gotta we gotta go meet the." the Russian contingent of big wigs and yada, yada, yada. And I had no idea this was going on, but he did. And so I get dressed and he drags me over to the territory, which is about a 10 minute walk and puts me in front of all these Russian guys in military uniforms, right? Who are welcoming me to star city. And that was how my training started, uh, to become an astronaut flying on the international space station. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And, and, you know, the first set of classes that I took, uh, I had a translator because my Russian wasn't that good. And I remember we were studying each module of the Russian segment of the space station. So the service module and the functional cargo block. And one of my first classes was a guy telling me why the service module was composed of a cylinder a cone and a sphere, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of interesting. But why do we why do we care? But but you can't say that as an astronaut. You can't be that guy that questions the teachers right. at Star City because others had questioned those guys, and the then the unwritten rule was, if you mouth off to them or you tell them how smart you are, because some guys had said, hey, hey, I understand this. I'm a physicist, or I I understand this. I don't need to study this they would put a mark by your name and, and you would be on a list.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there were a few folks on the list.
0: And everybody said that our cottages were
1: bugged and you had to be careful what you said. Well, and, they'd said that for years. I mean, and, this is, what, 04 right. when you're over there. And, yeah, they'd been saying that since 92 or 3 when we first started a relationship. And so this this whole thing went on,
0: right, for weeks at a time. Four weeks in Russia, four weeks at home. Four weeks in Russia, four weeks at home.
1: So let me tell him a little bit it about... what. made me a what, crabby dad, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and so the Christmas before you left, so that was January of 04 So right. Christmas of 03, um, you wanted to do something special for oh. me. And I had already decided it was going to be puppy year. And so <laughs> I was getting a dachshund for Cole for Christmas that year. And you and Cole decided that I needed something, oh, yeah. and, um, and that ended up being a baby bird, um, an African gray parrot. Yes, that you
0: said you had wanted, I, as long as we dated, you said, I always wanted an African gray parrot. I always wanted parrot.
1: one, but timing was really not great, <laughs> because I had a kid in diapers. I had a six-year-old. I had um, the puppy. Um, I got a baby bird, and we had our house on the market. Yeah. Um, and so I had to keep the house clean every day I left. So I'm packing the kids up every day to take them to school and take care.
0: Well, that's on you. You didn't have to, but.
1: <laughs> the house is on the market, so you have to have everything cleaned up and wiped down and things put away. And um, and you you were gone 12 weeks. Yeah. Out of, well, you were gone.
0: No, I was gone. So the first 12 weeks of training was four weeks in Russia. Right. Then I flew home for one week. Right. Then I got on a plane and went to Canada for two weeks. Yes. And then I flew home for a week. And then I was back in Russia for four more weeks. So the first 12 weeks I trained, I was only with my family for two weeks. Yes. And I didn't like it either.
1: But imagine all these other things that I was doing. I
0: know. Uh, Let alone
1: you being gone and that just being but then I, had, I told
0: you that you're amazing <laughs> lately a, a baby
1: bird a puppy a kid in diapers and a house on the market that was itch, a itch, great itch. time that <laughs> was a great time
0: but yeah. we still have astro the african gray we do
1: We do he's who, gonna live forever
0: who speaks russian a eng- little bit english and i think maybe a swear word or two
1: <laughs> he used to say go big red but he doesn't say that no anymore.
0: well they they don't haven't earned it back yet. Once they earn it <laughs> back, we'll, we'll bring back Go Big Red. Okay. Huskers roll. Good. Huskers roll. <laughs> Go Big Red. Huskers roll.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: my God. So how was, how was I as a father and a spouse during this three and a half years or whatever it was yeah. that I was traveling back and forth around the world? Um, I would say be that nice, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, be nice. I'll try.
1: Um, it was harder than you being gone. Oh, did I mention we've been married station. for 28 years? <laughs> yeah, yes. Did I
0: mention that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, honey. Nope.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, so I found the, the three and a half, four and a half years of training and there was a delay because when we returned to flight, um, we had more foam fall off of the vehicle, which was part of the problem that happened to, um, to uh, Columbia. And so um, SCS-114 had a, a, re- a return to flight and more foam fell off. So we delayed launches again for another year. So your training ended up being longer than anticipated. Right. Um, right. So that, that time was home a month, gone a month, home a month, gone a month. And our routine with the kids needed to re- remain the same. As much as possible, but when you were home, you always wanted to be involved in what we were doing. But I'm you still, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> you still had your responsibilities to training and work. And even though you wanted to be involved in what the kids were up to uh, and 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 engaged in that you also were focusing on the training that you had and prepping for your next trip to be gone. Right. So that made it harder, much harder than when you spent 152 days in space. Oh, I believe it. Um, totally, because once you totally were gone, you were gone. Right. Um, and, you you know, as a family, um, the agency doesn't really think about <laughs> those years prior to launch. They, they, they give you some attention. Um,
0: we got some briefings. Yeah. We got yeah, we got some psych <laughs> briefings that said, "Hey, this is going to happen. Don't count on anybody but yourself. You're not going to get much help." Oh, that's so, comforting. Yeah.
1: Um so you know, it, it I found that it, that was more difficult. And you know, we made some mistakes. We probably should have stayed in our house in South Shore um for that period because the neighbors were more known. They knew the family and they appreciated right. us. And when we moved into this new house, um, you know, just a year before you flew, not even a year, it was about 10 months before you flew. Um, it was a brand new neighborhood. Right. We didn't know anybody. The kids didn't really know people. Um, and so that support system wasn't there. Um, and so that, you know, there were, there were difficulties, definitely difficulties. And the, your question was, how did you behave well, how did I behave? You know, it was a hard time for all of us, um, and it was hard for the kids. I think there was a little stress there, and, and um, you know, I tried to entertain the kids um, with Wednesday nights Mexican food, and, um, you know, we, <laughs> we would, you know, have phone calls and so forth. The kids, they didn't really enjoy phone right. calls from no. Russia. Um, no. It just wasn't interesting for them. They'd rather just wait till you were home to spend time with you. Um, on nights when you would come home for the first time in a month, we would do steak night. Right. So we'd sit around the kitchen table and we'd have steaks and mm-hmm. and enjoy each other's company. And the and kids would to hang stay on you. Wait till
0: eleven or eleven thirty, so that you could adjust. So I yeah. could go, yeah, you know, go to sleep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and I remember it was really hard for me when I was in Russia. You know, I was told that. My computer in Russia in the cottage would be exactly the same as the one on my desk back at NASA. And so I had purchased a video camera that, you know, plugged into the, to the computer so I could see the kids and we could do video conferences. Well, it took us several <laughs> tries yeah. over weeks before mm-hmm. we figured out that the Russians had blocked the ports in the system somehow that were not that would not allow the video to go through. So for a long time, our calls weren't video. Right. Uh, and I well, remember and this is also
1: early on in technology yes. when you think about it, you're talking oh four oh five oh six.
0: Yeah. And I was listening to the other astronauts. You need to buy this camera and you need to do this. And and I remember when I finally got to watch Cole one time, he was up in the study sitting at the desk and all he was doing was spinning, spinning around in the, chair. in the chair while I was trying to talk to him. and He was just spinning around. So I, I knew it was easy to tell that, well, this is not, not going well. Um, but it was better for me probably than right. it was for the kids. For sure. And it, sure. it did help a lot. My son could was
1: pretty them. young, so she didn't really, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of interest in there. No. Yeah. No.
0: so as we moved forward into the training flow and it began to get more real how did things change
1: well Or, or did they yeah I don't know that they really changed a whole lot you were you know you were engaged you were focused and um it it was what it was I mean it wasn't wasn't horrible it wasn't fantastic it was it was what it was was what we were living through and you know I can remember people ask what's it like to be married to an astronaut well I don't know anything different (laughs) and kids would you know the kids would get asked basically the same question what's it like your dad being an astronaut (laughs) I don't know anything different (laughs) so um I don't know that it did change a whole lot I mean we just dealt with what what we had in front of us and we knew eventually you'd fly and um And we'd move to the next step, whatever that next step was. You know, and one thing that I did was I cut back on my hours. I went to part-time because there was just working full-time and knowing that I had, you know, all the responsibilities um, of, you know, child care and home care and and everything. Oh, and that dog and that bird and um, those kinds (laughs) of things. And I appreciate that very much. Um, Did I say I loved you today? Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, it was it was um a lot different than maybe other people were living through, but it was that was our life. That's right. what we chose. Uh, I know, I know when I married you, or I knew when I married you that you were either going to be um an NC two A Division one basketball referee, an NBA basketball referee, or an astronaut. Those were your three things that you wanted to do. So I knew that I had a life in front of me that I needed to be an independent woman. <laughs> So that we made that happen, and um, you know, we chose to focus on you, and I focused on the family, and then we got to celebrate the first launch. Which well,
0: and before before we went through the launch process, we took the kids to a launch prior. Yes, to make sure that well, maybe I don't know if we could make sure of anything, but to expose them to. The situation, right? Sunny Williams, who was my, I was her backup for most of my training flow because she was going to fly on the space station with Expedition 14. Right. Or whatever the numbers were back then, they kept changing a lot. But I was always her backup. Uh, She was on Expedition 12, then moved to 13. Then she was finalized to 14. Right. I was finalized to 15. I backed her up. I traveled with her to Russia. We did uh, winter survival training in the winner uh, of Knowles uh, National Outdoor Leadership School in My- Wyoming—that was not fun. Uh, but knowing when her launch was now go, it was a great opportunity for us to expose the kids sure. to the process.
1: Yeah. So it was like December of '06, mm-hmm. and um, so we went to Florida. Uh, SCS-116, I think, is what right. it was. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just going to be a crew family. Just that watching. Was watching. Right. And so they put us on regular buses with all the other visitors and that sort of thing. Um, but I think, yeah, that is that is that, is that what happened? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I've been sure. so, been so uh, lucky I mean, I to see so many launches. that I didn't get you know, any,
0: We didn't get any special treatment yeah. except that. We were allowed to be... I think we got
1: to drive our own vehicle out to Banana Creek because I don't remember anybody being around when Sutton was yelling.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. It's. I, I think you're right.
1: So somehow we <coughs> got to be able to go out to Banana Creek, which is the viewing site for the majority of people who go and watch a launch. Mm-hmm. There's other places that you can view from, but that's kind of the, the closest, coolest spot. And we got coolest to spot.
0: the families. We yeah. were in the, the families in the NASA... Uh, astronaut groups, now, right? But the, the it wasn't necessarily. VIPS were next to us. Yeah, but the
1: so the the crew families of the people on board weren't necessarily with us.
0: No, they were in the uh, they were either on the launch control center right roof. I don't think they were at the banana. We hadn't moved to that location yet. yet. No, mm-hmm. So, but their extended families were there. Right, uh, there were astronauts hanging out. You know, that come for the launch and do right. whatever jobs. I they want to do. say
1: Stephanie spoke that time. Uh huh. Yes, I, I
0: believe so. Yeah. Stephanie, Stephanie Wilson.
1: Stephanie Wilson was who ended up being a crew member of yours. Um, so uh, we went and um, it was nighttime. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. Um, and it was chilly. Yeah. Yeah. It was December in Florida. So, I mean, not like here in Omaha, but. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, it was it, for, for Florida, it was a little chilly. Um, and. It was, the vehicle launched, and it was pretty exciting because it was nighttime, so the glow was really fascinating, and we got to experience that with one of your missions as well. Um, but anyway, when the once it was over, the wind direction um, was such that they needed to clear the viewing area pretty quickly after launch, which mm-hmm. normally they let you hang out. You can go inside the Saturn V building. You can do a little shopping. You can chat with people and go through the whole, right. oh, that was so great. Well, we didn't get to do that because the wind direction was blowing the acid rain back toward the viewing site. That's,
0: that's because the solid rocket motors have, the solid part of it is uh, aluminum perchlorate. And when it burns, it can it makes acid rain. And it always makes acid rain, but it depends on the wind direction as to where it's going to land. And if it's the wind puts it back on the people, they whisk you out as fast as possible.
1: Right. And there wasn't really like huge danger, but they definitely right. wanted to protect us. So they wanted us to get all the back in our vehicles as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And we were some of the last to get in our vehicle. And some of the buses were waiting on us. Cause we had like an SUV that our family was in and, um, that's when Sutton started crying and screaming, and she. <laughs> but she was little.
0: Yeah, and she loves Sunny.
1: Yeah, she loves Sunny, but yep. I don't. <laughs> what I remember was she kept saying, "It's Sunny, it's Sunny, I'm gonna miss Sunny," and I finally figured out that it really wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that. Sunny, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. just that all the emotion and the loud noise and the bright light, and you know, <laughs> I'm really glad that we took them. Right. Took the kids because I would have had to have dealt with that when you launched and now at least they'd been through some of that and understood it was going to be loud and it was going to be, um, kind of scary and, Mm -hmm. and bright and shiny and, and, and people pushing you everywhere. And, and so at least we went through that with her first.
0: Well, and we finally got back to the condo. I remember this very clearly that we got, I told her all the way back, we're going to send an email to Sonny. We're going to send an email to Sonny. And, we got back, and Sunny wouldn't get it for a few days. But I had access to her uh, space station email account, right. so Sutton and I composed an email, and we told Sunny that we loved her, and, and you know, it was beautiful, and la la la. And we hit the send button, and it went. To, I said it's going to go to Sunny. She's going to read it, and everything will be cool, and she'll send you an email back. And uh, that calmed her down a lot. And she did get an email back from Sunny a few days later. So.
1: I wonder if she remembers that.
0: I don't know. We'll have she to ask She was pretty her. small. Uh, yeah. She was only two, right?
1: No, 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 no. When she, she... when you launched, she was almost six.
0: Oh, she was almost six. So she's probably five. She...
1: Yeah, she was five, with five when we watched that because she was six when you launched because she had a birthday between the two missions. True. Yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> Something else.
0: So then we moved forward. That was a, a good exercise to do as a family. Yeah, we um, got to go to Disney. Because I was next. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we have an interesting launch story just based on the fact that uh, I had been assigned originally to STS-118. Yes. And STS-118 was scheduled to launch in August of 2007 to the International Space Station with me on board.
1: Right, and you had been training with that crew for, mm-hmm. um, not just, th- the Russian piece was independent of training with the STS 118 crew, so we'd gotten right. to know those families. We had um, a patch yes. with my name on it. Yes, you did. That was
0: very exciting. Yep. And yeah.
1: uh, and and you had a great group of people that you were um, crewing with, and, and you were going to do spacewalks with um, some folks on that, uh, that particular assignment. So we'd spent, uh, what, 18 months, I think, at that time, maybe not quite that much, um, as crew family, right? right? Everybody on 118. And then 117, which was supposed to go after 116. So 116 flew in December. 117 was supposed to fly in February, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. And there were six guys on board. Right. And there was some freak hailstorm Uh, On the pad. Mm -hmm. On the pad. It wasn't even the whole cape. It was just like there where the shuttle was ready to launch. And it was the week of launch. And it gets hit by hail. And the external tank had pockmarks all over it from the hail. So all of a sudden, STS-117 has to be repaired. And it gets delayed. And pulled back
0: to the vehicle assembly building. The huge building at the cape.
1: So everybody who had been in Florida for that launch... Goes home, including the crew, everybody. Exactly, and things change.
0: That's when our lives changed. A Huda Media
1: Production.